This morning, we're going to spend our time considering the dilemma of depression. With this as the focus, I want to begin by posing an important question. The question is this. What's the best way for us to deal with our depression? What's the best way for us to deal with our depression? And just to be clear, depression is the state of sorrow that leaves us feeling sad. And not only that, but depression is also a mood disorder that leaves us feeling like we're all alone. And listen, this is typically a mood disorder that's accompanied by feelings of guilt or regret. What's even more is that depression can also include a loss of concentration, social withdrawal, sleep disturbances, and even at times, suicidal tendencies. You might not know this, but most of us will experience depression at some point in our lives. For example, depression is common for those who are suffering from chronic conditions like cancer or fibromyalgia. Not only that, but depression is also common for those who have mental disorders like impaired brain function, or maybe some sort of imbalance. And it's for this reason that millions and millions of Americans are dealing with both emotional and or clinical depression, and even as I speak. According to the stats from the World Health Organization, 264 million people in the world today are affected by depression. And if this is true of you, then you might like to know that the Lord is not only able to help us deal with our depression, but listen, the Lord is able to help us defeat our depression. With this as the goal, we're going to spend our time today considering how our risen Redeemer took the time to help his disciples overcome their depression. And as we make our way through the text before us today, we'll begin to see that we're able to defeat our depression By worshiping the Lord. Secondly, we'll learn that we're able to defeat our depression by praising the Lord. Thirdly and finally, we'll see that we're able to defeat our depression by blessing the Lord. Well, with this as the outline, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 24 as we prepare to wrap up our study of this book. As you make your way to the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel account... Well, I want to take a moment to point out that we began our study of this incredible book just about three years ago. As a matter of fact, it was November 24th, 2019, when we started our study of this book. And now here we are, November 20th, 2022, and we've finally reached the end of Luke's gospel account. And just like the beginning of this book... Where, where Luke focused on the birth of Jesus Christ, Luke now ends his gospel account with our focus on the ascension of Jesus Christ. Luke began with a focus on Jesus, and now he ends with our focus where it belongs, on Jesus Christ. With this as our focus, let's turn our attention to the final verses of this book. Here in Luke 24, I want to begin reading at verse 50. Here we learn that he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. 
and blessing God. Amen. Now here in the final verses of Luke's gospel account, we learn about this day when the Lord Jesus physically ascended into heaven. And while it's true that we're given this brief account of uh, of our Savior's ascension here in this book, it's also true that Luke elaborates on the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter 1. If you want to know more about the, the details of this day when Christ Jesus was physically carried up into heaven, then I encourage you to go and read Acts chapter 1 for homework. But for the sake of our study today, I just want to spend our time focusing on the location of his ascension. If you would notice with me again here in Luke chapter 24, I want to back up and, and begin reading again at verse 50. Here we learn that the Lord Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. He led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now, this tiny town of Bethany was a village which was located about two miles away from Jerusalem, just beyond the Mount of Olives. It's interesting to note that Bethany was the location where Jesus healed a leper named Simon. Not only that, but it was just outside of Bethany where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And finally, Bethany was the place where Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with that expensive perfume. And without debate, there were several significant events that took place there in this insignificant town of Bethany. As we consider the way that the Lord Jesus chose Bethany as the place where he would ascend into heaven, well, we should take a moment to consider the meaning of the name Bethany. Some scholars inform us that the name Bethany probably means house of figs, which if you've ever had a fig newton, then you know this sounds delicious. But yeah, it could be translated house of figs, but I don't believe that this is the most accurate translation of the word. Many scholars inform us that the name Bethany actually means house of misery. House of misery, which is not to be confused with the house of pain where everybody goes to go and, and jump, jump, jump around, you know. But seriously, though, the name Bethany stems from a Hebrew word that literally means house of poverty or house of misery. And there are those who believe that Bethany was this designated uh, town where the sick would be sent if they were to, say, go to the temple to get checked out by a priest if they had leprosy or some other sort of contagious disease, that that they would be sent two miles away to be quarantined there in Bethany. And if that's the case, then there's good reason to believe that Bethany became known, or it was called, the house of misery for this reason. Not only that, but but Bethany was probably a place where people struggled with depression because they were sick. I'm guessing Simon the leper, who was there probably praying to be healed, was struggling with depression as he was quarantined with leprosy. And it's very possible that Bethany was named because this was a place where people were in misery and people were suffering with depression. And, and with that being the case, we shouldn't be surprised to learn that a Greek scholar named Spiros Zodiades, he translates the Greek word Bethania uh, from its two root words, which actually means house of depression. House of depression. 
in light of this definition, I want to spend some time speculating about the reason for why the Lord chose Bethany as the location for his ascension into heaven. Why did Jesus choose the house of depression as the place where he would ascend into heaven? Is it possible that Christ Jesus chose the house of depression as the location for his ascension in order to acknowledge the depression that his disciples would struggle with after his departure? The reason I ask is based on something that Jesus said back in John chapter 16. It's there where he declares, I go away to him who sent me and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, Sorrow has filled your heart. When Jesus told them about his departure, their hearts were filled with sorrow. The news about the departure of our Savior filled the hearts of his disciples with sorrow. And I'll remind you that they spent three years serving alongside of our Savior. They spent three years thinking that he's about to usher in the kingdom of God. And yet they were shocked to learn that he would ascend into heaven before finally returning to set up his millennial kingdom. And as they heard this news, they started struggling with sadness and feelings of depression. That being the case, it seems kind of strange that the Lord would then lead them to the house of depression where he would then ascend into heaven. It's almost like rubbing some salt in in their sorrow. And yet it was there in the house of depression where the Lord blessed them. As a matter of fact, look with me again here at Luke chapter 24. If you would, let's begin again at verse 50. Here we learn that he led them out as far as Bethany. He led them out as far as where? The house of depression. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Here in these verses, we learn about the way that the Lord blessed his disciples there at the border of Bethany. And if you'll allow me the liberty to spiritualize this verse, then I'd like to suggest that there are times when the Lord must lead us to the house of depression in order to bless us. There are times when the Lord leads us to the house of depression because it's there where he blesses believers by helping them to refocus their faith from the house of depression to the promises of his word. There are times when in the midst of our depression, we're forced to simply just look up because there's nowhere else to look. There's nowhere else to turn. And to further make my case, I would remind you that it was there in Bethany where the Lord Jesus commanded them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. We find that uh, in Acts chapter 1. It was there where he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise, the prophetic promise that the Father already presented And not only that, but just before ascending into heaven, he helps them to understand that they were about to receive power from the Holy Spirit so that they could become evangelists in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He was helping them to understand that his ascension wasn't the end of their commission. No, it was just the beginning. He refocused their faith. 
there at the house of depression. And as they focused on this incredible prophetic promise, the the disciples then defeated their depression by simply worshiping the Lord. With this as the focus, let's take a closer look at Luke's account, which is found here in Luke chapter 24. I want to draw your attention back to verse 51. Here again, we learn that it came to pass while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great depression. Oh, wait, no, that's not what it says. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Luke here is recounting the ascension of our Savior. And while it's true that Luke was, uh, you know, focusing in on this, you know, place of of the Lord's ascension, the Lord here uh, was leaving his disciples in the house of depression where he then refocused their faith on the promise of God's word, which then helped them to understand what their mission was. And it was at this point in time, as they considered their mission to go and reach the world by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they began to worship our Savior. And as they worshiped the Lord Jesus, their sorrow gave way to joy. Now, just to be clear about this, the word worship, which is found there in verse 52, it's translated from a Greek word which was used of those who submit to the authority of another with respectful reverence. You know, we tend to think of the word worship, we tend to make it synonymous with the word praise, and we'll talk about praising here in a moment, but listen, the word worship, it speaks of submission. And according to Spiros Zodiades, the original Greek word was used of an inferior individual who would fall upon their knees and touch their forehead to the ground in order to then demonstrate their submission before their superior. this definition in mind, we can see then that the disciples of Christ, they worshiped the Lord Jesus by simply submitting to his will. They worshiped the Lord Jesus by simply realizing that the will of our Savior is right. And as they worshiped the Lord Jesus, they left the house of depression so that they could go and serve our Savior back in Jerusalem. And in so doing, they were filled with joy. Christian, listen, those who spend their time focusing their attention on the things that cause them depression, well, they remain in the village of Bethany as they stew in their own misery. Conversely, those who will simply submit their lives to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and commit themselves to serving our Savior, these are the believers who will be able to leave the house of depression as we make our way towards the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem, well, that's the place that will eventually dwell with our Savior during the millennial kingdom. And there won't be one believer depressed in the new Jerusalem. But between now and then, listen, if you want to defeat the depression that you struggle with today, worship the Lord. And what I mean to say is submit to his superiority. 
and commit yourself to his service. And as we serve the Lord with gladness, our acts of worship then fill our hearts with the joy of Jesus Christ. And in this way, we defeat our depression. Now this brings us to our second point, because listen, we not only defeat depression by worshiping the Lord, but we also defeat depression by praising the Lord. And with this as the focus, let's continue to consider the final verses of this book. If you would, let's look again here at Luke chapter 24. I want to back up and begin reading once again at verse 52. Here again, we learn that they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising I want to stop right there. I want to consider the way that the worship of the Lord brought forth continual praise. As they submit themselves to our Savior, they went to Jerusalem filled with joy, and there they continually went to the temple to praise the Lord. That word praise found there in the middle of verse 53, it's translated from a Greek word, which in this context refers to those who sing songs that bring honor to the one for whom the song was written. The same Greek word rendered praise was also used of those who extol the name of another by expressing their delight about the one they're praising. And in light of this definition, we must not fail to notice how the disciples, they praised the Lord continually and publicly. Notice again in verse 52, there in the middle of the verse, we learn that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising. In other words, they weren't just praising the Lord there in the upper room where they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. No doubt that they were. I have no doubt that they were singing the the praises of our Savior in the upper room. But they didn't just keep it there. They they didn't just keep it, you know, in, in the private setting of the four walls of their congregation. There are those who want us to keep our faith to ourselves. Your faith should be a private matter. Keep it at church, right? These guys said, no, we're, we're going out. We're going into the public. We're going to sing the praises of our Savior in the public place. We should also notice that this wasn't just a one-time event. They continually sang the praises of our Savior there at the temple. The disciples of Christ regularly and repeatedly went to the temple in order to proclaim the praises of the Savior who was just crucified by the leaders there at the temple. And as they continued to sing the praises of our Savior, they were simultaneously defeating their depression. How do I know this? Well, let's, let's take a moment to consider some science. I'd like to direct your attention to the research of a doctor named David Lewis Hodgen of MindLab International. This doctor actually led a research team to examine the psychological effects of certain songs. And what they discovered is that music is able to enhance well-being as well as improve health conditions. As a matter of fact, he focuses in on one song that's called Weightless, I, I listen to it about a hundred times now, and I haven't dropped any weight. But uh, but this song called "Weightless" was actually created for the purpose of sound therapy. The harmonies, the rhythms, the bass lines. 
They were all carefully arranged to help the, to, to help the slow or, or to slow the listener's heart rate to reduce blood pressure and lower levels of the stress hormone cortisol. According to uh, their research, this specific song appears to produce a 65% reduction in participants' overall anxiety and a 35% reduction in their physiological resting rates. Pretty incredible to consider this, you know, how this one song can affect the mental and, and physical conditions of the listener. And as we consider this research, there seems to be good scientific evidence which is able to show that the music we listen to can affect us physically and mentally. Not only that, but I should also remind you about the story of King Saul. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 16. There we find Saul struggling with a distressing spirit. And whenever he was distressed, he would ask for David to come and play the harp for him. And as David played the harp, Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would then depart from him. Very interesting. And from this, we can see that there's a biblical reason to believe that the music we listen to is able to affect us physically, mentally, and spiritually. At the same time, it's also important to understand that the music we listen to can have a negative effect on our body, soul, and spirit as well. For example, I want to consider a study conducted by researchers at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. And according to their research, listen, the, the teenagers who listened to secular music more often had an 80% higher risk of developing a major depressive disorder than did the rest of their peers. Interesting. Teenagers who are listening to music for four hours plus a day are 80% higher at risk of developing a major depressive disorder than the kids who don't listen to much music at all. And seeing how the average tween or teen now spends at least four hours a day listening to music, uh, many uh, songs which have negative messages, well, we shouldn't be surprised to learn that now the Texas Children's Hospital System in Houston, Texas, has seen an 800% an 800 increase in children suffering from mental health issues. Now, it should be noted that this 800% increase is being measured against pre-pandemic numbers, and so I don't mean to suggest that secular music is the only factor causing these health conditions, and yet at the same time, there's no doubt in my mind that the stress and the anxiety that, that is actually sending these kids to the emergency room has been exacerbated by the major depressive disorder that develops in the minds of kids who spend four hours plus a day listening to negative secular music. And as we consider the way that kids are walking around with AirPods that seem to have been surgically implanted into their ears, well, we shouldn't be surprised that these kids don't know how to deal with the state of the world, or the issues in their life. And they're spending just a huge portion of their day focusing in on lyrics that are causing their depression. That being the case, we shouldn't be surprised to learn that a recent study conducted by Harmony Healthcare IT has revealed that 9 out of 10 Gen Zers have been diagnosed with a mental health condition. 
Nine out of ten. Nearly eight out of ten Gen Zers are battling with depression. I wonder why. 20% of the participants of this study admitted that they have a regular therapist. 39% attend therapy for mental health issues at least once a week, while 57% of Gen Zers take regular medication. Think about that for a second. More than half of those who belong to Generation Z are taking psychotropic medication to help them with their depression, which might be fixed if they just stop listening to all that garbage. Now, please understand, I don't mean to suggest that the use of psychotropic medication is always wrong. I don't want anybody to, to feel like they need to rush out today and, and stop taking you know, some sort of antidepressant. And yet, I can't help but to wonder how many people are actually stuck in the house of depression and for no other reason than because they spend several hours every day filling their minds with the depressing lyrics that many secular artists have inserted into their songs. And with this question in mind, I'd like to suggest that those who are struggling with depression Well, you might just try listening to more spiritual songs that actually exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the way that Paul put it in Ephesians chapter 5. There he declares, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Rather than singing songs about secular things, many of which glorify sin, we ought to be singing songs to the Lord. And, and, and together, corporately singing these songs to the Lord. Rather than dwelling in the house of depression as we sing secular songs that, that, that glorify sin, let's become those believers who are singing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs as we praise the Lord continually. And as we focus our faith on the praiseworthy person of the Lord Jesus Christ, well, we begin to, de to defeat the depression that still plagues the minds of many. This has the goal. I want to take a moment uh, to remind you of the encouragement that Paul presented in Hebrews chapter 13. It's verse 15 where he declares, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Much like the disciples of Christ who continually proclaim the praises of the Lord there at the temple, Listen, every Christian now has been called to continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God as we give thanks to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's be honest, there are times when we don't feel like singing the praises of our Savior. There are times when we wake up on a Sunday morning and think, ah, I don't want to go to church. 
There are times when depression leads us to a place of just thinking, I, I can't go sing those songs today because I don't feel like that. And if this is something that you struggle with, then please understand that this is why Paul calls it a sacrifice of praise. Yeah, there are times when singing the praises of Jesus takes some level of sacrifice on our part. You know, getting up early enough to make it to church on time so that we can corporately worship the Lord takes a sacrifice. Amen, second service people. There will be times when we find ourselves emotionally stuck in this house of depression and all we want to do is lay there on the couch and, and watch, you know, whatever show it is that you like to watch. And it's sad that there are many believers who allow this depression to keep them from coming to church. And when they do show up, you know, they don't really show up on time. They don't really feel like proclaiming the praises of the Lord. And, and in these decisions, they keep themselves in Bethany. Rather than returning to Jerusalem with joy, they stay there in the house of depression. And if this sounds like your situation, then I encourage you to realize that those who will continually offer the sacrifice of praise will also begin to defeat their depression as sorrow turns into the joy of Jesus as we offer the sacrifice of praise. I like the way that the psalmist put it in the 98th Psalm. It's there where he declares, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness. He has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of, the, of a psalm, with the trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar and all its fullness, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness, he shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. Here in this song of praise, we find the psalmist, he's helping us to understand that those who sing the praises of our Savior are beginning to focus their faith on all of the marvelous things that the Lord has done. And as, as we focus our faith on all of the marvelous things that the Lord has done, we begin to defeat our depression as our hearts are filled up with the joy of Jesus. If we would simply just make that sacrifice of praise even when we don't feel like it, the Christian who is struggling with depression will overcome that depression as we continually sing the praises of the Lord. Now this brings us to our third and final point because listen, we not only defeat depression by worshiping and praising the Lord, but we also defeat depression by blessing the Lord. 
To explain what I mean, let's continue to consider the final verses of this book. If you would look with me again here at Luke chapter 24, I want to back up and begin reading once again at verse 52. Here we learn that they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now that word blessing was translated from a Greek word which was used of those who celebrate with songs of praise. And yet we know that praise was just mentioned. And so let's continue to consider what this word uh, you know, can also mean. You see the same word not only speaks of celebration of, with songs of praise, but it's also a word that's used of those who invoke the blessings of the Lord as they consecrate themselves with solemn prayers. And so we see that they worshiped the Lord submitting themselves to his authority. Then they began to praise the Lord with songs of praise there at the temple. And as they did, they invoked the blessings of the Lord by consecrating themselves to Christ Jesus. Think about that for a moment. They were filled with the joy of Jesus because they consecrated their lives to his authority. That word blessing is also used of those who are so blessed that they can't help but to express or feel joyful gratitude for the blessings that they've received from the Lord. Now think about that for a moment. Those who will consecrate their lives to the Lord submitting their lives to his authority will then seek his will for their lives. And in this way, it's so important to to, to recognize that this consecration begins with solemn prayers. Now, I'm sure we all spend time praying, but how many of us are praying for the things that we want, treating Jesus like a cosmic Santa Claus? Our prayer life is basically, you know, Jesus, I want this and I want that. I want, I want you to bring me a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I want you to bring me a job you know, with more money. I want, you, I want a new car and a better house. And, and, and you know, we just have our list of wants. And then Jesus goes down the list. He checks it twice and says, nope, nope, not that. Uh-uh. Wait. And then we get depressed because Jesus doesn't love us. He didn't give me what I asked for. Santa did. Why doesn't Jesus? Why doesn't Jesus give me what I ask for? Listen, this isn't the way we ought to be praying. And I don't mean to suggest that you shouldn't ask God for things. Of course, you know, we should present our requests to the Lord. And yet at the same time, we should consecrate our lives so that we are walking in his will. Because listen, you you pray for that special someone, the Lord will bring them to you, yeah. And then you'll complain about them. You want a better job? The The Lord will open that door for you, and then you'll complain about that job. And you pray for more money, the Lord will give you some more money, and then you invest it in Bitcoin and FTX, and then you lose it all, and then you're complaining about that. And this is just a recipe for depression. 
Compare this to the Christian who simply says, my life is yours, Lord. You've already blessed me with so much. How can I bless you? Listen, those who will simply focus their minds on the blessings of God, they'll begin to defeat their depression as they take the time to consider all of the blessings that we've already received from the Lord. You see, the believer who takes the time to consider all of the blessings that we've already received from the Lord, they'll be filled with the joyful gratitude that leads us to bless God who has blessed us with so much. And as we focus our energy on blessing the God who has blessed us with so much, we're simultaneously set free from the house of depression as we let go of all of the disappointments of all the things that Jesus didn't give us after you know, we prayed for so many years, right? I like the way that King David puts it in the 103rd Psalm. It's there where he declared, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I was thinking about this psalm Last week, as I was there in a hotel in California, all right, that's just, that's just an eagle's joke, so. <laughs> but I'm thinking, wait a minute, are all of our diseases healed today? Are we all experiencing that renewal like, like we're in our youth? I mean, looking at many of you, no, not, not, not at all. So, so what's going on here? Well, listen, the, the, the benefits of the Lord are not only forgiveness today, but healing in the everlasting. Listen, you know, the Lord might choose to heal us today. He might choose to, to not heal us today. You know, there are those who are struggling with health conditions and, and there are those who are struggling with, with mental health conditions that the Lord won't heal until the resurrection. And yet as we consider all of his benefits, we can rejoice in knowing that there's coming a day in the resurrection where all of these conditions will be gone, all of these issues done forever. And in that we can rejoice today. King David encouraged us to bless the Lord from our soul and, and all that's within us. And in this way, we defeat our depression as we spend time blessing the God of eternal blessings. That's for this reason that the 19th century hymnist named Johnson Oatman, he, he focused us in on this truth as he penned the lyrics of his famous song, Count Your Blessings. And in the chorus, he says, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God hath done. Sadly, there are many Christians who continue to dwell in the house of depression. And one reason why is because uh, they don't count their blessings. No one said they spend time counting their complaints. Listing them one by one. 
Rather than counting their blessings, they count their complaints. And rather than blessing the Lord for all the blessings that we've received so far, they would rather focus on all the ways that God has somehow failed them because they haven't received every selfish desire they've ever asked for. Take a moment to realize that we deserve everlasting hell. That's the reality. As sinners, what we deserve from God is everlasting punishment. And yet the Father sent his only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be saved. And if you've received the benefit of salvation, what more blessing do you need from God? Everything past that is icing, or if you're not a cake fan, then gravy. I like both. But listen, the, 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 the forgiveness of sins is the greatest blessing that any sinner can receive. And if you're struggling with depression, then maybe wake up every morning and just say, thank you, Lord, for forgiveness, because I don't deserve it. Sadly, many Christians continue to struggle with depression because they're you know, focusing their attention on their complaints. And what's even worse is that many of them are quick to go out and find a psychiatrist who will prescribe an antidepressant. And I don't mean to suggest that it's always wrong to take antidepressants. Maybe, maybe there's a condition that, you know, demands it. And, and yet, listen, there's also a new umbrella review, which is an overview of existing meta-analysis and uh, systematic reviews, which suggests that depression is not likely caused by a chemical imbalance. Not to say it never isn't. But there's good data now. now there's an old study that, that tied the two things together, but there's new, you know, a uh, new uh, meta-analysis that calls into question the actual effects of antidepressants and whether they actually solve the, the issue of depression. You should know that there is currently no scientific support for the hypothesis that antidepressants can help people defeat their dep- depression. So if you're relying on an antidepressant to fix your depression, and, and it doesn't seem to be fixing it or it doesn't seem to be working, then there's maybe a reason for that. If this meta-analysis is correct and if it's true that depression is not likely caused by a chemical imbalance in the brain, then uh, what are the reasons for why so many of us are suffering from depression? With this question in mind, I want to spend some time considering three main causes for depression happening in the world today, and I want to begin with alcohol. You know, according to a study published on PubMed.gov, there's a clear connection between alcohol and depression. As a matter of fact, current research helps us to see that an increasing use of alcohol increases the risk of depression. The more alcohol you consume, the more likely it is that you will be depressed. And if you think that alcohol is going to help you to cope with your depression, if you're thinking, man, this Bible study is making me so depressed, I can't wait to get a a glass of wine after this. Listen, the increased consumption of alcohol could actually cause increasing depression. So, So don't think for a second that having some alcohol is going to help you to deal with depression. No, it'll make it worse. Not only that, but those who are constantly on social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and the rest, 
Well, all of this might be fueling feelings of depression as well as other mental health issues like anxiety and fear. And while it's true that there hasn't yet been enough time to research all of the long-term consequences of constant social media use, listen, there are multiple studies which have found a strong link between heavy social media use and an increased risk for depression, anxiety, loneliness, self-harm, and even suicidal thoughts. Think about that. Social media use is leading people into depression, anxiety, loneliness. You've never had so many connections in your life, and yet you're lonely. Brenda and I just had dinner there uh, in Corpus at uh, one of her favorite restaurants. And as we sat there, I was kind of looking around. I'm a people watcher, and I'm just kind of looking at all these tables with couples. And every single couple has their phone out. They got a living person right in front of them, and they can't get their face out of their phone. They're lonely on a date. How sad is that? Yeah, that's very depressing. And yet they can't get their they can't get their face out of their phone. They can't understand why they've strained their thumbs again. Social media addiction can cause depression. Finally, I want to consider the connection between depression and excessive news consumption. According to the findings of a clinical psychologist named Amanda Spray, she says problematic news consumption can significantly contribute to feelings of depression and anxiety, which in turn can have a deleterious effect on our physical health. Wow. Those who are constantly focused on negative news tend to struggle with depression and anxiety because uh, negative news is bad news. And so if, if you have a steady diet of bad news, now think about that, because for the past three years, since the beginning of the pandemic, we've all had a steady diet of bad news. And it's no wonder that depression is currently affecting more than a third of the adults here in America. Think about that for a moment. More than a third More than one-third of the adults here in America are now struggling with depression since the pandemic began. And I realize, listen, these aren't the only causes of our depression. Many women experience postpartum depression after the birth of their baby. Other women experience post-abortion depression after the abortion of their baby. Yeah, there are post-abortive women who have a bout of depression every year around the time of their abortion. And now imagine uh, women who have had multiple abortions, maybe even staggered throughout the year, there's a constant state of depression with every single abortion. And it's tragic. Most people struggle with the depression after the death of a loved one which is a very common and natural response. There are those who struggle with clinical depression caused by impaired or imbalanced brain function. And there are many causes of depression. So I don't mean to suggest that this study is a comprehensive study on, on all forms of depression. But listen, 
we're all going to find ourselves struggling with depression from time to time. There's going to be times when we find ourselves in the house of depression. And I'm here to tell you, just like Jesus led his disciples to Bethany, there will be times when Jesus leads us to the house of depression. Because remember, it's there where he blesses us in a way that we couldn't have been blessed anywhere else. And with all that being the case, I'm here to help you to defeat your depression by reminding you that the believer who will focus their minds on the blessings of the Lord will begin to defeat their depression as we focus on the things that we're grateful for. But don't take my word for it. This is something that's supported by scientific research. As a matter of fact, there's a psychiatrist and a brain disorder specialist named Dr. Daniel Amen, and he's used brain imaging studies to show that negative thought patterns change the brain in a negative way. Negative thought patterns change the brain in a negative way. He's also done research where he's doing brain scans and telling people to think good thoughts, and he sees the, the brain chemistry changing. Those who will bring their attention to the things in life that we're grateful for, well, the brain imaging studies reveal that our brains actually begin functioning in a better way. It's for this reason that Dr. Amen encourages his patients to focus on the things that they're grateful for. He even encourages them to, to write down five things that they're grateful for every single day. This was effectively what Paul was telling us to do in Philippians chapter 4. It's there where he declares whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, the believer who will focus their minds on those things that are true, noble, just, pure, and lovely, well, these people will simultaneously center their minds on those things that cause us to rejoice in the blessings and the benefits of the Lord. Those who will set their minds on those things that are virtuous and praiseworthy, those, those things are of a good report, well, they'll also escape the house of depression as we meditate on the blessings of our Messiah. With this as the goal, I encourage every Christian to count their blessings each and every day. You might write them down, as Dr. Amen says, but uh, if nothing else, just... Just wake up and, and, and leave your phone alone for a few minutes. And just take some time to just count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings and consider what God has done for you. As we begin to wrap up our study of this entire book, I just want to remind you that Luke began this gospel account in the same way that he ended it, with a focus on Jesus Christ. And in light of his example, you know, the believer who wants to defeat their depression uh, ought to begin and end every day in this same way. As we wake up, let's focus our mind on Jesus Christ. And as we end our day, let's end it with thoughts about the love of our Lord. And in this way, we'll remember that we defeat depression by worshiping the Lord. We defeat depression by praising the Lord. We defeat depression by blessing the Lord. 
Simply put, those who want to defeat their depression should set their minds on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And while it's possible that your battle with depression might be something that you struggle with for the rest of your life, you can still have victory in Jesus Christ. You might struggle against depression. You might struggle against depressive thoughts for the rest of your life. And yet I encourage you, those who will simply fix their focus on the finish line of faith will receive the joy of Jesus as we run this race with endurance. With that, I want to remind you of the way that the Lord helped his disciples to defeat their depression. And he did this by establishing the Christian community. Remember, he was the one who led his disciples to the house of depression, where he then blessed his disciples and sent them back to Jerusalem to wait for the birth of the church. But listen, it was there in the house of depression where they first worshiped and praised our risen redeemer as they watched him ascending into heaven. And we must not fail to grasp the significance of this that the church was together in the house of depression when they first witnessed the ascension of our Savior. And as they returned to Jerusalem together, they were filled with the joy of Jesus. You know, the Lone Ranger Christians who are like, well, I'm just going to do church at home. You know, I'm the pastor of my house. And no, you're not. You're a Christian that's just not part of the congregation. Don't church it up. Don't spiritualize it. Don't make it think, don't, 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 don't buy into this idea that you can just sit at home and watch online and that's church. It's not church. Because it's not a congregation. Jesus led his church to the house of depression together and sent them back to Jerusalem together. And they went to the temple together to sing the praises of the Lord and bless his name. There's a design to the congregation that is essential for defeating depression. You might not know this, but there are people here in the auditorium right now that are struggling with depression. Some struggling with emotional depression, some that have clinical depression. And we ought to be caring, caring for one another here within our congregation, realizing that the person sitting across the room who appears to have it all together might not. And the Lord may have led you to the house of depression so that you can help somebody else who's also in the house of depression. But how would we know to do this unless we're transparent with one another and care enough about one another to stick around after services and minister to one another? Don't sit at home and pretend like you're doing church. Get off the couch. Come be a part of this fellowship. And allow the Lord to use you to lead others out of the house of depression. The best way for us to defeat our depression is together. Amen. And so let's realize that the Lord created the church so that we, by his power, can help one another escape from the house of depression. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you for your word and for how you use it to encourage us. And Lord, I pray uh, that you would help us to uh, just break out of this mindset that we can sit at home and still do church. Lord, help us to, to realize that you have created a congregation so that we can be a benefit to one another. This church is, is part of the list of blessings that you've created for us. And so Lord, help us to be active members here who are encouraging one another. Help us to not sit in silence, suffering in depression, but help us to be transparent with one another, knowing that most of us here, at least one in three of us, are struggling with depression. Help us, Lord. Help us by your power to, to, to defeat the depression in our lives. Help us to, to minister to one another in a way that is beneficial to the entire body. And help us to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.